0: Welcome to the Gig Guide to Life podcast with me, Will Stevenson. This is the interview podcast where I chat to musicians, artists, poets, filmmakers and many other creatives about the best, worst and weirdest live music experiences of their life. First up is a founding member of the classic rock band Alice Cooper, the bassist Dennis Dunaway and his wife and fashion designer for the band along with Pink Floyd, The Who, Manic Panic Eye and many more Cindy Dunaway. Needless to say I was buzzing about both these guests and they were absolutely brilliant. They were in Manchester to promote their documentary concert film Live from the Astral Turf. The film covers how the original Alice Cooper band reunited for the first time in over 40 years to play an intimate live show in a tiny Texas record store and it played out at the Manchester Film Festival. We also chatted about the early days of Alice Cooper in the 60s and got to hear some incredible stories from their world tours in the 70s. I'll be back at the end with some more information about what you can expect in the rest of this first series of Gig Guide to Life. But for now, sit back and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to both you, Dennis and Sydney Dunaway to the Gig Guide to Life podcast. It's great to have you here.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: It's great to have you in Manchester as well.
1: Oh, it's great to be here.
0: We're going to kick off just by speaking about the film itself, live from the Astral Turf and how it came to premiere in Manchester and what was the exact origins of the film. I
2: wrote a book and uh, uh, Chris Penn, this guy that I didn't know from Dallas, Texas, was uh, getting a hold of me and Mm. saying, would you like to do a book signing at my record store in Dallas? Mm. My publisher was saying, well, you know, we'd like to... Stick more to bookstores and book festivals and Ooh. things. But then, as uh, his persistence kind of uh, led e- the publisher to uh, agree to do this thing, and all of a sudden I quickly found out that this guy wasn't going to just do a, a book <laughs> signing, he was going to do, you know, all kinds of uh, whistles and horns and everything else. So, little by little, it started. Coming together, none of us had any idea that it was going to outdo our wildest hopes, you know, until the, that night when mm-hmm. it was happening. It's like nobody could believe it was actually happening.
0: So I guess we should sum up for anyone that's unaware of the film or anything like that. So it's you guys reuniting with Alice sort of years and years after like the original lineup still changed and playing a show, a very small-scale show.
1: Right. Well, it was for Dennis's book event at yeah. this yeah, record yeah, yeah, store. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And this uh, Chris uh, Chris Penn is amazing. I mean he he takes everything the extra mile. Mm. He does packaging wh- he has done like packaging for the the movie and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, like different things like the soundtrack. and he, to me, he does things like old school like we mm. used to do, like the pa- the really wonderful packaging like like the guys used to do for the band. but um, but so he just wanted to somehow he and Dennis, Worked it it just worked out that Alice was playing in the area um, a couple days before or whatever and uh, they worked it out right I mean you should tell this story
2: yeah. well he he wanted to, uh, I was saying okay he says I have a stage in the in the record store and I have <laughs> yeah, people yeah, yeah, play yeah. there once in a while would would you be willing to play there I said okay well if, if we can do that, would you be willing to fly Neil Smith in and Michael Bruce if I can talk them into it? So that was the first step. The second step is when he chose the date because it was a day off for Alice. Right. And now he's deciding if Alice is gonna stay in the town where he just played or if he's gonna come on to Dallas on his day off. And I said, okay, I already know they go, they go to the next town unless there's a better golf course. It depends okay, so. on the golf course. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. so we determined the best Alice's favorite golf course was in Dallas that they're going to be there. So it was kind of like that. And and he was asking them and stuff. And I told him, I said, uh, OK, stop asking them uh, because you're going to start bugging people. So so I said, chill out. Let me take it from here. And uh, so nobody knew the people that showed up at the record store They came because it was my book event and then because Michael and Neil and I would be there. And Chris even built uh, like our old electric chair that we used Mm. for the first execution of Alice in the early days. He replicated those for each of us. Michael had one. Neil had one. I had one. And this disc jockey who was interviewing us had one. And so we did an interview and... uh, And we signed uh, books and records and stuff for all of the people that were there. And this record store had an upstairs. But uh, Chris had on the front of the building was all of the original group's album covers, really big, blown up with a spotlight on each one. And then he had repainted the store. The cover of my book has pink panties on it. So he painted the store. The trim in the store way up high. Somebody had to have a really tall ladder to paint just the air vents pink and the all of the trimming and the and yeah, and he yeah, got yeah, pink yeah. astroturf for the for the stage. Now, uh, so so we did an interview and then we said, "Say, so would you like to hear some music?" And everybody, yeah, yeah. So we go over and Neil and Michael and I we hadn't even really had a rehearsal. We mm. just did a sound check to make. Sure, the amps were working, but we didn't even play all of the songs that we played that night. We were just pretty much winging it. <laughs> but we did uh, uh, Caught in the Dream with just Michael singing and the mm-hmm. three of us. And then we started Be My Lover, and then Alice walked out. Mm-hmm. And the look on everybody's face, it was, I mean... Have you ever seen a big, burly, grown man cry? <laughs> I mean, it's like <laughs> it's I'm, precious. I'm it's precious. looking at the audio that they couldn't believe it. No. Of course, you know. And uh, so we did this uh, like seven songs mm. with no Alice.
1: makeup. It was uh, just it was it was Not like the theatrics. old days, you no, know, yeah, just yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. just us, and we reverted to being high school kids again. Yeah. You know, the the humor was just all totally spontaneous, uh, and. But Chris Penn told his friend, he said, this is like my Beatles getting back together in my record store. And he said, I am not going to believe this tomorrow if if I don't have uh, some documentation. So he called his buddy who does film and said, can you film this for me just for my own personal uh, collection? And so he called up other friends and they had about, I don't know what, six cameras going or think something. Thought, yeah. And so then later on, uh, you know, that was pretty much the end of it. Uh, uh, it was all on the internet and everything. I remember our daughter saying that night, Dad, I don't know what you're up to, but the the internet is buzzing, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're I'm <laughs> like, okay, well, I know why, because it's a rare, such a rare thing. But later on, uh, the guy who filmed it, Stephen Gaddis, told Chris, he said, You know what? The recording of the sound came out so good. He said, With some color compensation and stuff, he said, I think we have a film here. Yeah. So Chris said, Oh, what? Really? So they asked around for permission and stuff. And it took a long time for the color correction to happen. But they ended up with a film. And mm-hmm. we started doing uh, film festivals. And the film has won five awards Amazing. already. What do you guys want people to take away from the film?
1: It's a really feel-good movie. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's it, to me. It I and I get really emotional when I see it because because it's like you know four friends that had this vision together. The spirit of Glenn Buxton's always there too somewhere, and um, <clears throat> but they had a vision together and. When they get together and play, the chemistry is still there. Mm. You know, even the jokes. You know, um, so and that was what what made the success of the band. So to me, it's like oh God. You know, people come out feeling really good and um, just really positive.
2: And that it's self evident in the film. The thing I like about it is it's from a fan's point of view. Mm-hmm. Mm. It uh, makes it much
0: more unique than a
2: normal right. documentary-style right.
0: thing that just follows you guys around.
2: Oh, yeah, because it's so spontaneous. Yeah. I mean, somebody yeah, yeah, at yeah, one yeah. of the film fests was talking about, so they asked Stephen Gaddis, you know, so what was the amount of time that it took uh, to make this film? And he said, basically 45 minutes. Yeah, because <laughs> how long is it? <laughs> you know? And then it took uh, a couple of years to get the color correction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, and that's what it... That's what it is. The whole thing, I mean, we didn't rehearse. Even when we finished playing six songs and that's what we had planned to do, yeah. we went in the back room and everybody's like, encore, encore. And Ryan Roxy, is, who sat in For and played Glenn's parts with us, uh, Ryan was saying, well, let's do Elected. And we're like, oh, my God, Elected. How does that go yeah. again? You know? And <laughs> and, uh, and then when we went out and played it, you can see in the film, there's a hesitation. Nobody's starting the song. And Alice said, "Oh, look! Everybody's waiting to see who's going to start yeah, yeah, this yeah, thing." Yeah, and, yeah. and then we played the song, and uh, it's pretty amazing how tight the whole set came out because we hadn't played those, we hadn't played that song in like thirty That's years amazing. or yeah. more.
0: Completely spontaneous. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. Uh, but when we got off stage after we played "Elected" and got back in the back room, Neil said exactly what I was mm-hmm. thinking at the time that we hit the first chord and then he said to himself what the fuck happens next <laughs> <laughs> i'm
0: gonna go right back to the beginning now so if you could just both tell me your first uh, impressions of alice himself and how you got involved in a band and how everything first came to sort of be
1: my brother is neil smith the, mm-hmm. the original drummer um so we all kind of knew each other um they were all friends in college and so on but um I moved uh, to be with the band in 1968 when they lived in Topanga Canyon. They had just had a uh, a bad accident where they had lost all of their equipment and so on. And I was going to fashion college in Texas, and my brother called me and said, you know, you're doing what you want. I'm a loser, blah, blah, blah. I've just, I don't even have drums. And I said, oh, well, I'm not hearing any of that. So I... I took what little money I had, and I moved to be with the band, and uh, there was no money for food, hardly, and I had actually, I shared a room with my brother and the roadie and Alice, so we had a triple bunk bed, my brother and the roadie and I, and Alice slept in this, like, it was supposed to be a coffin, but it wasn't, it was just like (laughs) this triangle thing on the floor, a rectangle on the floor. And so um, I, they, they were all saying they needed to be in LA to get more exposure, So I, and I needed a job. So I went into LA and I got a job designing men's clothes for this boutique mm. and uh, got an apartment um, with who is now my best friend. We've been best friends for a million years who I met through Michael Bruce, Linda Chadwick, and um, she and I both started sewing at this boutique and uh, Joe and Shep came in one day and we just started talking and we said, are you guys managers, you know, of a band or bands? And, and they actually didn't tell us till years later, but they were not. But they said, <laughs> if you would have asked if we were roofers, we would have said, sure. Um, but uh, anyway, long story short, they ended up signing with the band. Mm. And uh, it just so happened that I had I was friends with another band. Called Rhinoceros, who were a New York band, and they had been renting a house in Hollywood Hills. They were moving back to New York, so their house was available. It was just all amazing, kind of, how it happened. So uh, the band rented that house, moved into Hollywood Hills, and Joe and Chet became their managers and it kind of just happened from there. They asked if I would do costumes, and I said, absolutely, because I, I sewed, yeah. and I had already made things for my, my uh, brother and so on, so.
0: So when you started sewing and going to fashion school and all these sort of things, mm-hmm. did you ever picture yourself making costumes for a shock rock band?
1: No, I, no, <laughs> I, I actually didn't. I just, I mean, I've been sewing since I was 10, Which is a lot of years, and Mm, mm. um, and I'd always made my own clothes and so on because we didn't have a lot of money, but also because once the British invasion hit, Mm. I wanted everything Mary Quant did and so on, so I would copy all of those clothes. But no, and it was also it wasn't planned; it was more like I was part of a team. We all had the same vision, you know, the band, the and you know we all saw on the horizon what the goal was. And I just happened to sew and happened to love, you know. And they were so wonderful because when I suggested sparkly things, you know, they were like, sure, we'll wear whatever. So they were always so open to wearing anything. Would
2: There's very few pictures of Cindy actually sewing. There's a couple. Uh-huh. But it was kind of like, you know, uh, entertainment business. What's the deadline? Yesterday. Yeah, yeah yeah, it yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like uh, – you know, we'd discuss what we'd want to do. Basically, Cindy would talk to each guy and and get an idea of what, what we would like, and then she'd come up with drawings, and then we'd kind of say yes or no, and she'd make the alterations. Mm-hmm. But then it was kind of like she'd go in a room, and in the morning she'd, she'd – come out with all of these uh, great costumes. So nobody was around to take pictures of her because everybody else was asleep.
1: It was also great because after a while, whenever they would do an album, they Mm. would have a a theme. So 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 it it could be a theme costume, uh, right? So that was was great. So I would just do up drawings, like Dennis said, and then just take them around to each guy. And they would, if they wanted something altered, Glenn always wanted his sleeve cut off because he didn't want something (laughs) hitting the guitar, you know, which made sense. Um, but the fun thing was is that they were always open to wearing anything. Mm. And, yeah, so that, that part of it was super easy. I mean, um, but I look at it more. It was like putting on a stage show. Well, mm. it was yeah, putting on a stage show. So everybody had a different job, and that was my job. Also, in those days, they didn't have, like now, they have amazing fabrics. you know. Yeah. They didn't then. I put every uh, crystal on by hand. And I had this stamper, not a bedazzler, it was just like one at a time. And um, I had to put them all on by hand. But you know, that's what I did. So like Dennis said, I spent all day in my workroom.
0: And Dennis yourself, how did you first come to part of the band?
2: Well, uh, Alice and I were friends uh, since uh, he was 15 and I was 16 in high school. And I was the artist then, in fact, in school. In grade school, a lot of kids didn't even know my name. They called me the artist. So I was very introverted and very into uh, Salvador Dali and pop art and, you know, various uh, Picasso and everything. And here comes this skinny kid, uh, Vince, who uh, is the only guy in the whole school in Phoenix, Arizona, that. I could really talk about Salvador Dali mm. and get a conversation and everything. <laughs> so we became friends in art class, and then we became friends on the cross-country team. We ran long distance. Oh, wow. And that bonded us. And uh, and also, I think, uh, it gave us that uh, uh, never-give-up kind of an yeah. attitude. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, no yeah. matter what came at the band, we mm. would just keep moving forward. So... Uh, I In 1963, I had seen Dwayne Eddy and the Rebels do a surprise performance at the Fox Theater in Phoenix, Arizona. The movies were uh, Walt Disney's Peter Pan and Hercules Unchained. And between those movies, this band comes out and sets up and do like wow. about four songs, you know, uh, Rebel Rouser. And, you know, and they're all jumping back and forth across the stage going go man go you know and <laughs> I'm like whoa that's what I want to yeah, do yeah, yeah, yeah. and so then I go back and I tell Vince hey man we gotta start a band you know and uh, so so that planted the seed but it didn't really uh, really have its full impact until shortly after that mm-hmm. when the British invasion hit and namely the Beatles and for people in America at that time when the Beatles came out, it was like going from uh, black and white to cinema mm-hmm. yeah, scope yeah, color yeah, and everything. Yeah, you know, it was like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz landing, in the movie's black and white until amazing. she opens the door and ah. Uh, so, so all of a sudden, okay, we got to start a band, but we don't even know. We didn't even know what instruments we wanted yeah. to play or anything. So, we f- tracked down this guy at school that was from Ohio, Glenn Buxton, who. We didn't know, you know, we were the two school nerds, you know, the art guys, <laughs> and here's this kind of a tough-looking guy that, but we knew he played guitar, so we thought, okay, well, let's get this guy because he can play guitar, and we can pretend to play guitars, <laughs> and that's what we yeah, did. That's what it's all about, right? Well, we well, well, it was about fun, and uh, and we were Letterman, Alice and I, because of our our cross country and track and field, uh, long distance running. So the Letterman's Club was going to host a talent show. Mm. So all of the different clubs on campus would do their act, and then it was a competition. Now, because we were Letterman, we weren't allowed to participate in the—but I talked the other Letterman into letting us do this spoof on the Beatles. So we got— we got these beetle wigs that were really scuzzy, like at Woolworths, the cheap department <laughs> yeah, store, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we called ourselves the Ear Wigs, and we were like, <laughs> which is a little bug with a pincher on the end of its yeah, tail, yeah. and yeah. and so, and Alice and I by then had uh, started writing for the school newspaper, so we'd write stories about the Ear Wigs from cesspool, England, mm. and we <laughs> built this whole thing it's pretty up. accurate, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, well... We uh so so then we did this performance yeah. and it was just a, a one off deal, you know, but oh my god, it was exciting and we did like about five songs. Okay, we gotta we gotta really, you know, do this right. So we didn't even know what we were gonna play. One of the guys who was on the track team, John Spear, decided he wanted to play drums and then we decided amongst all of us that Alice shouldn't play an instrument because he could never keep track of anything. You know, he left a trail behind him everywhere he went. So so we decided, okay, he's got to be the singer. Also, he's good at remembering lyrics. Okay, so he's the singer. And what was left is bass. So, So I had to go up to Oregon, work on my grandpa's farm, get the money to buy a bass. And then we started learning how to play.
0: So what was the very, very first song that you actually all uh, remember playing together?
2: Uh, Foot Stomping by, you know, uh, everybody young and old. (laughs) So that was our very first, they announced, they introduced the earwigs from cesspool, England. And before the curtain opened, we all started stomping our feet. And then we came out and did that song. Then we did a couple of Beatles songs with we changed the lyrics to be sports oriented, you know, like uh, uh, last night I ran four laps for my coach, like around the track and that kind of a thing. And, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, that's fun. That's fun. And then next thing you know, every time uh, that the uh, school had a cafetorium, it was an auditorium, but it was also the cafeteria where the students would go to eat lunch. So... Everybody would eat, be eating lunch, and the curtain would open, and it would be the earwigs performing again. So everybody like, oh no, not, not them again. again. But you know, and our very first gig where we actually played a, a whole show was a Halloween dance in 1964. We had a guillotine, we had coffins, we had spiderwebs. On the very first show. Yeah, you know, and Alice and I also went to the drive-in a lot and loved yeah. Edgar Allan Poe movies yeah, yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff.
0: Okay, so where did the idea to go, okay, we've done this amazing show on Halloween with the coffins and the spiders and all these things, to go, this is going to be what we do. You know, this is the way we're going to, the image we're going to carve. How did that happen?
2: Well, uh, we there was a very popular club in Phoenix that was uh no drinking, it was for young Team teenagers. Club, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh we called up the guy that owned the club and s- said we wanted to audition. We went mm-hmm. down and auditioned. He said, Well, you know, I like I like the band, but the name's gotta go. <laughs> you know? yeah. The name's gotta go. Yeah. He didn't like the yeah, le- airway. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he so he said, How about if we change it to the spiders? Right. And okay. we're like, uh and throw away all the fame that we've, uh, uh, you know, we thought, oh, okay, well, that's still a bug. We like it. Okay. So we became the Spiders and became the house band at this popular teen club. And the owner uh, uh, knew a lot of disc jockeys. And so we had All day, every day during the week, these big advertisements, you know, come and see see the spiders and the spiders sanctum, sanctum. (laughs) And we're like, what's the spider sanctum? And he said, I don't know, but you guys are going to build it. (laughs) And we're like, what? So we showed up and Glenn Buxton and Allison, we built a stage with a big spider web on the front. And we decided to wear black turtlenecks and we were the spiders. So. So at the other end of the club would be where the uh, popular bands would play, the Love and Spoonful (laughs) and the Birds and Yardbirds and bands like that. And then the Spider Sanctum was at the other end of the room, and it would be dark. So when they finished playing, then all of a sudden that stage would go dark and the Spider Sanctum, the lights would start to throb and get brighter, and then the spiders would come out and do our show. So we were uh, aware that... This club, every couple of weeks or about every three weeks tops, Hmm. uh, the owner would get a new band. He'd like to have this week's flavor. What's new? And we're thinking, well, we want to keep working. So we decided that we're going to do theatrics and we're going to learn new songs and we're going to change the way we dress and everything so that two weeks from now, we're not even the same band anymore. And that worked. It's like people started coming to see what the spiders were going to do next. Do next, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so the pressure was there. Every weekend we had to do something new. And then it got down to every every set. So we'd do like oh, wow. two sets on uh, Friday and two sets on Saturday. So we had to come up with four things to do on stage. And it, I mean, even like uh, they were remodeling the bathroom in the club. So. We swiped the toilet and put it on (laughs) stage, and and then we had wrapped Alice in toilet paper like a mummy, and then we we would throw toilet paper out into the crowd. So one show would be that. So how long was this going on for while you were ever changing Uh, the dancing? Maybe a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I
1: used to go. the the Phoenix had great teen clubs at that time, and there was some like, but they were the only band that did theatrics or that you know went the extra Mm. mile. Um, I don't. It had to be. Well, I remember. Let's see, a couple, maybe two years at least. Two years at least mm. in uh, probably sixty six and sixty seven. That make It's sense? crazy
0: early because, like, when you think of this from like an outsider's sort of perspective, right. you think of the whole sort of glam rock, shock rock thing is happening. You know, at the, the dawn of the seventies, really, mm. and alongside things like Kiss and it's. it's, it's when you think about it of course you know alice is first and you guys were first but it's crazy to think just how quickly that actually turned around because when we were presented on this side of the ocean things like the Beatles and the who and just these pretty clean cut images really right. you guys were taking that going yeah let's add spiders let's add the cave of horrors you know to that like immediately and not necessarily through choice either but through circumstance which is something again just surprising to me, I suppose.
2: Well, it also had to do with going back to art class. Mm. Right. Me, I was my whole life was an artist, mm. and uh, and so Alice and I decided that we were going to start a band, that we were going to incorporate artistic ideas mm. into the mm-hmm. band. So that had a lot to do with it too, like the Salvador Dali photograph that dolly's standing there or he's jumping up in the air and there's a chair flying through the air and a cat and bucket of water and stuff well that picture in particular we said we want our show to be like that that." we want the audience to have so many we want them to see so many uh, different things happen on stage that they're going to go tell their friend oh you got to see these guys yeah and then when they show up with their friend the show is completely different different. and that's why we he, we weren't replaced after two weeks at the VIP yeah. because it it just kept changing. So and we were packing the club. I mean, I think the legal limit was something like 750 people, but we oh, were getting a wow. thousand people in there. That's amazing. And uh, you know, and then we we got to open for the Yardbirds, and we played all Yardbirds songs when we opened for the Yardbirds. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how. Young, where did that idea come from? It was all to in do that, Just gonna mess with them. Yeah. Well, we, a friend of ours brought over an album that he had ordered from England, sure. and uh, it was the Yardbirds, and you know, we put on Mr. You're a Better Man Than I, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know, this this isn't, the, and the guy's like, wait till the guitar break, and I'm like, okay, and then the guitar break, whoa, what yeah, are these, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, we didn't even know that much about the band, all we knew is, we were going to be playing with them, so we learned a bunch of their songs. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and we thought, well, this will be a tribute to them, but uh, they didn't see it that way. No, <laughs> no, no. Well, what happened really is, is, uh, and I've talked to Jeff Beck since then about this, and so has Alice. And Jeff Beck remembers that, you know, like we're, f- he says, like we're flying into Phoenix and and we've never seen a cactus and we're thinking nobody's <laughs> going to have a clue who we are you know and and then the opening band does our songs well what did it do well it they of course had to blow us off yeah you discussed your
0: first gig already Dennis. was it the 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 performance yeah, at the, at the it was the halloween dance yes, the pit yeah, yeah, and yeah, the yeah, pendulum yeah, yeah. was our first no, no. So sorry, not not for the band, but for you personally. The first performance you attended, concert or gig oh, that you attended as a fan.
2: Oh, uh, both of. These. No, really, it was Dwayne, Eddy and yeah. the Rebels yeah, at the yeah, yeah, at yeah, the, at yeah, the movie yeah. theater. Yeah, that was my first. And that was you saw ex- that and you thought I need to do this. I had seen when I was young. You know, my family played a lot of country and western uh, music and stuff, and and I had two cousins, these two girls who sang with country bands. Mm. So I had actually seen country music when I was like about six years old and kind of grew up with that. But no, Dwayne Eddy and the Rebels, that was my first experience with the excitement of a live Ah, rock band. What about you, Cindy? I guess
1: like the the first real like popular. Mm. I would probably have to be, I'd have to check my diary for the, (laughs) For this, but my high school diary. But I, I'm going to say the Yardbirds. I mean, the, as far as the biggest band, yeah, you know, the- and yeah, and as Dennis said, that was the first time over. So they were. We all knew, and my brother and I loved them, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, but not not that many people. I. They were pretty popular actually in Phoenix. I think. Well, because of you guys, uh, too. I'm a
2: man was a hit, and for your love was a hit. Mm-hmm. So so they no. were on the radio.
1: So as far as like popular band, I would have to say the Yardbirds, but I literally went from like Johnny Crawford and Hayley Mills music, believe it or not, <laughs> um, to when the British invasion, and then some surf music, yeah, um, like the Beach, Beach Boys, Boys yeah. but then there when the go. British invasion hit, I was sold. I mean, that was my niche, you
0: know. Yeah, straight down the rabbit hole. Yeah. So we move back from way, way back to present day. What is your guys' most recent live music experience be it being playing or attending another band's gig?
1: Utopia was the last Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, Utopia yeah, yeah. We, we saw, saw the Yardbirds recently as oh,
2: wow, well. Amazing. Yeah
1: beautiful. we saw the Yardbirds which was Jim McCarty and then yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. actually ironically and kind of pathetically as the 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 rest of the band were, weren't were from England <laughs> <It was> just, <laughs> yeah. these were guys that we knew that were top England, shelf right? <laughs> musicians <laughs> yeah. from New York yeah. City area yeah, yeah, yeah. Kenny Aronson on bass and uh, uh <laughs> so but man, what a great show! Really amazing. So we do get out a lot still, but uh, we go into New York City. Uh, I don't know if I can say their name, Tish and Snooky's band. They call them the Sick Folks. Band. Well, they were big <laughs> in CBGBs, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but yeah. never oh, made it because of the name. And they yeah, <laughs> they're
1: called the Sick Bucks. So they don't play that often anymore. Their harmonies are great. You know, Tish and Snooky are amazing the sisters. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, they're. There's so much fun.
2: It's so uh, politically incorrect and (laughs) irreverent and everything in every song is totally wrong. (laughs) Tish and Snooki dress up like tattered nuns Mm -hmm. and with uh, utility belts, with uh, handcuffs and whips and chains and stuff. Mm And uh, but they deliver it with so much fun that yeah. it's nothing yeah, but an yeah, 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 exciting. Yeah, yeah. The whole
1: band dress is crazy. Yep. Yeah,
2: very crazy. The bass player is a Viking and stuff like that. <laughs> so so you know, the we bass yeah. player is a Viking. Yeah. You know, with, I mean. yeah, yeah. with
1: boxer shorts on sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> and sometimes we'll go in the audience and hand out money for no apparent reason. Yeah. I mean, we'll take it. I think he gets <laughs> he gives out more money than they actually so they make at the gig.
0: So Cindy. When we're going back to like costume design and all these sort of things, Mm -hmm. obviously we just got some amazing bands with like amazing stage presence and stuff like this. When things started picking up for Alice Cooper and the band, right? Did you feel like a pressure to be like, oh shit, this is this is really hitting a massive audience now? This is not, you know, not at all. No, no no pressure. Nope,
1: no pressure. All I, like I said, it was like putting on a state Well, it was putting on a stage show, yeah. And the fact that there was a theme. Made it really easy because, you know, I had that to start off with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but no, I didn't feel pressure because it's what I did. Mm. You know, I didn't, I felt no competition between any other band and the way they dressed mm. um, because that wasn't my goal. My goal was to make the Alice Cooper band look the coolest possible. And so, no, there was no pressure. Sometimes there was pressure like, one time, uh, when we were in London, actually, they um, they had a shoot with uh, David, David Bailey, Bailey. Mm. who I'd always wanted to meet because I loved Gene Shrimpton, and I know that they, you know, knew each other or they were together, or whatever. So I really wanted to meet him, but um, they decided they wanted. Uh, white satin suits for the shoot. Right. So I literally made them in one night. And I said, get me a sewing machine and get me a bolt of fabric and a basic pattern. And so we had this small hotel room. It wasn't even, I think the sewing machine might have even been on the floor. But uh, Dennis and I stayed in, of course, and all the other guys were going out. So <laughs> I would, when they would come back, every time they'd come back, I'd like, fit them, you know, do another yeah, alteration. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, needless, needless to say, I didn't make it to the photo shoot because I was sleeping. Wow. Um, but, but I did, but
2: even though I was up all night too because the sewing machine, the sewing was, machine was in the room I was yeah. trying to sleep in. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was a very small brag there. Like, but that, I mean, I made was, it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was the Billion Dollar Babies album cover. Yeah, yeah, shot. yeah, yeah, I was yeah. actually uh, that ended up being the cover, that's amazing. And the yeah. thing that most people don't know, the hardest thing about mm-hmm. that besides Cindy making five suits that fit you know overnight yeah uh, was getting that much American cash yeah. and I think it was on a Sunday as well but but uh, then they had to count all of the money after the, afterward and they were 20 twenty dollars short. Yeah, 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 yeah. And of course everybody in the band knew who Glenn had the twenty dollars. <laughs> Glenn <laughs> everybody knew. He didn't need the money, but he just couldn't resist yeah, doing all stuff part like of it. that. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. afterwards he and I think Neil still to this day believes that this is what actually happened. Because Glenn happened to notice it up in the lighting fixture. Oh, we were throwing it around and it landed up here, right? But that's how he gave it back without fessing right. up that he swiped it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> happens yeah. to be here. Yeah. I don't know. How got there. <laughs> that's amazing.
0: So, what has your guys' favorite ever live performance been? Whether it be yourself, Dennis, or you know, witnessing viewing wow. another band, something that would, like when I say that, the first thing that comes to mind.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, um, my favorite question, my yeah. favorite show was, uh, you know, I, of course, Hollywood Bowl and, and Madison Square Garden mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Wembley. Uh, but um, my favorite for acoustics was the Concert gabelle in Holland mm-hmm. in uh, Amsterdam. And that show, we stayed at the Amsterdam. So when is this roughly? What year are we talking? about? seventy one or seventy two? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And Seven, uh, I think it was seventy one. Seventy one, it was there, yeah. right? Seventy one, and we stayed at the the Hilton. Mm. And this this concert hall is still there. It's very famous. It's been around, and the uh, and what they would do is. Rock and roll didn't happen until three o'clock in the morning, yeah yeah yeah, if we yeah, yeah. people told us if you go on at one o'clock, the kids won't be out yet, <laughs> and we're like, okay, well, we're gonna get some sleep at the hotel then and wake us up when it's time to go, and this uh entrance had these gigantic uh revolving door, yeah, and so now they wake us up, it's time to go to the gig, and so we're all ready to file through this revolving door. Michael's got his guitar case and Glenn's got his guitar case and instead of holding them vertically they just walked in with them going horizontal and the glass door between them broke and all of these gigantic shards of glass came down all around them. I mean they were knee deep in broken glass. We couldn't even get the door to move because there were still some jagged pointed glass up above them precarious precariously threatening to fall so we had to inch our way and get the the door to move just enough i mean all these people showed up from the hotel of course and they were taking out a piece of glass at a time until we could get the door open enough to get them out of there and the only thing that happened is glenn got a cut on his elbow it's amazing all. So, that's, That's amazing. yeah, that really yeah. is amazing. It was. I was standing right there. I was the next to go into the revolving yeah, yeah, doors, yeah, 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 yeah. but you couldn't do anything because the glass was between us and them. It's Like a movie, right? It yeah, was crazy. Yeah, and it's one of those things. You know, those kind of things happen, and it seems like it's happening in slow motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. okay, we're like, okay, the gig's off, and the guy from the from the show said, "No, you guys go on down to the show. We'll take Glenn to the hospital, and we'll meet you there." I'm like. You don't have to fill out papers and everything. We're used to America, you know. It's <laughs> like, it'll take you a year to fill out the paperwork to yeah, get yeah, us. Yeah. So no, we went to the Concert Cabal and uh, and then Glenn showed up later and and we had to cut the sleeve off of his outfit of because he yep. had, yeah. And, and this was uh, uh, an insight to Glenn's personality. He's, so they had food in the back room and there was some ketchup, and Glenn takes the ketchup and pours it on his bandage to make it look worse, <laughs> to make the injury look worse. So now here's a rock band dressed the way yeah, we're yeah, dressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're so glad that Glenn's okay, and so, and he can play. He had a few stitches, but mm-hmm. he can play. So we're walking on this carpet that seems like it's a foot deep, you mm-hmm. know, and, and then who's glaring down at us? Brahms and Beethoven and all <laughs> we're like oh god not not worthy you know and we like get out the t- classic scene like the Wayne's world oh know, it like- was yes. it was but the uh, the acoustics were designed for before they had microphones right okay
0: yeah, yeah so sure, somebody could sing artistic, in the, yeah. somebody
2: could sing in this big room and everybody could hear them but I just remember we were all so happy that Glenn was okay that it was just one of those nights where everything seemed like perfection. Mm. And the acoustics were such that every little tiny warmth of the tone of the bass strings and everything sounded just Just perfection. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, that was probably my favorite gig ever.
0: That's a really tough answer to follow, Cindy. I know. Well,
1: uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't actually I wasn't there. I didn't join the tour until they came to London. That was the end of the tour. And that was the first sure. first time I was ever in London. It was amazing. It was so much fun. But I can tell you my most devastating. Sure,
0: let's go. Uh, well. One. Um,
1: uh, I used to be the dancing tooth on mm-hmm. stage. Right. So um, I was always very, and I'm mind you, I'm I'm a behind the scenes person. I have no desire to be on a stage. I have no. That's not my thing. Because when in doubt, ask Cindy. Because we got <laughs> we got her in a headline. And also pretty much. also because <laughs> the the costume completely covered me with just my legs showing. Right. Sure. So, so no I had like you. a little switch inside. I could see out the cavity, and I had a switch inside that would turn the lights off and on. Amazing. Right. So um, it was great, and I, w- I always wanted to make sure I always had like one cocktail before the show, and that's it. Right. So it's Madison Square Garden. And I'm like, this is Madison Square Garden. I'm probably never going to be on this stage again. So I'm not even having a cocktail tonight. I go, I start my bit. I go dancing out. And unbeknownst to me, someone had thrown a beer up on stage. Oh, no. I went flying. I hit that beer, you know, feet up in the air. And Alice would, and usually I went, I hit a certain spot. And then I would, he would start brushing me and, I fell down on the stairs. He had a giant on.
2: toothbrush. toothbrush
1: yeah. I, I, I'd <laughs> hope so.
0: Otherwise, just yeah. Otherwise, would <laughs> be pretty stupid. Um, but no, it was it was so for the song "Unfinished
1: sure. Unfinished Suite." Are you familiar with that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, um, so I hit, and I was so, so pissed, and. Alice, literally, Alice, like, is trying to drag me. He's like, what are you doing? And I am I was, like, cursing, of course, through he the cavity. You could talk to
2: her through the Yeah, cavity. that's right. how
1: we communicated. And I was like, what the hell was that? And I didn't – That I, I, I literally danced out in my little thing and just hit it and went flying. Luckily, I didn't fly off the end of the stage. So he's, like, dragging me – we improvised, of course – back to the stairs and – um you know did did our whole thing where uh he brushed me and all of that and it was i was just so i, I wasn't as much embarrassed as mad because yeah, 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 yeah. because this was madison square garden you know and i freaking like slid across the stage <laughs> and, uh, but i guess the audience didn't know i no mean one they knows. didn't of course know
0: not. and do you know what that's what happens to all of us, isn't it? Like of course, every single yeah. day, because it's just another day. You just happen yeah. to be on a really big stage, right? <laughs> like right. it's just a completely normal thing. And I think what's crazy is that we forget that so easily. Like you were just on stage, well, you just make it work. That's all. You just make, you make it, it work. work. Exactly. You have to go yeah, with you it. Off. You
1: know. But but um, and then there was a, a good time or a fun time was the Billion Dollar Babies tour, mm. and uh, Flo and Eddie were with us mm-hmm. a lot on that, and they were, like so much fun to tour with because. Not only are they geniuses with their voice and so on, they are just they were just so much fun. Yeah. So when you're out for like three months or whatever, you get a little, you wanna start doing things to like entertain you're yourself stir-crazy. or whatever, yeah. So we decided one night, we got in t- touch with our roadies and they had this one song that, that we loved called Nikki Hoy and it, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, a hula song. So we decided um, we were gonna surprise them And Dennis had a gorilla suit on and I had a hula skirt and my bathing suit top, which is so not like me because it's not. Luckily, I had a lot of lays around. And so so during and we didn't tell them, nobody told them. So we went out and I was I was doing the hula out and then Dennis came out in the gorilla outfit. And they were so surprised, and they were laughing and singing at the same time. But you do things like that. Just you don't want to interfere with their performance, but you just do things like that.
2: Well, this was like the last night of the tour, or something. I don't know. It It
1: was. It was no. Well into the tour. I know. I remember that.
2: Yeah. Well. uh, But they were. They loved it. We we definitely surprised them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You've
0: actually started to hit onto my next question. Actually, what's when I ask you the craziest horror experience you've ever had?
1: I Can't think of anything horrible. I mean, I mean that's good. Well, right? what know? about
2: what about the farmhouse and the heat would go off? And well, stuff that was. Like that. I
1: mean, I think more of things like when you guys were shooting something, and this happened to me more than once, where we were in a sound studio or whatever, sure. and you know there were ladders and so on around, and um, I just I was obviously not in it, but I was in the in the the back. Mm-hmm. And um, I just stepped away for a while to, to go watch and look, and this huge ladder came down and literally landed right behind me.
2: Oh wow. And it was a really tall room. In fact, it was it's in New York City. It's still there. Uh, but it's the, it's the room where Al Jolson did the mm-hmm. first talkie, mm-hmm. the first singing part mm-hmm. in that studio. But, yeah, Cindy almost got clobbered with the ladder, so that was scary. So I was
1: lucky. I mean, that's happened to me a couple other times. And a with, couple other times. With baseballs. You are the most lucky person <laughs> in the
2: world. Yeah, well, uh, for horror stories, I mean, there was a lot for the Alice Cooper group because, you know, we had a lot of uh, rough and tumble in the early days. So the way we dressed and we'd play, go yeah. to these little cowboy towns yeah, where yeah, 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 they yeah, chase sure. us out of town. With, Tell us about uh, one. Uh, There's, let's see, which one should I tell? Uh, Oh, yeah, well, um, early, in the early days, um, Alice and I drove, I had a hot rod, a 64 Falcon, which I had, after the band had the accident Mm -hmm. and lost our Mm -hmm. equipment, I sold that car to keep the band going at that time. We, We had just migrated to L.A., but before that, we had gotten a gig down in tucson arizona which was like a two-hour drive from phoenix and alice and i drove down and the and the van went down in a van full of equipment and so you know it had a four barrel carburetor so it used a lot of gas and uh uh, so we got to the club Hmm. and we pulled in the parking lot now time is running tight the the uh, cigar-chomping owner of the club is like, "Why are you guys here? You're supposed to be here already and all <laughs> that kind of stuff." Like, okay, so you guys unload the amps out of the back of my car, and I know by the time we get done playing, all the gas stations are going to be closed, so I won't be able to refuel. And yeah, and the car yeah, was yeah. like running on fumes at that point. So then they the guys took the stuff out of the trunk of the car, Michael and Glenn and everybody, and was hauling it. Said, "Okay, there's a gas station right up here at the corner. I'm going to go get some gas." Alice says, "I'll go with you." So we pull out, and it's a red light, and we're sitting there, and a pickup pulls up with cowboys, mm-hmm. and they're making fun of. Which they see our bad. hair. Yeah, back yeah, in yeah, those yeah, days, yeah, you know, nobody. And cowboys, let's face it, they were out to start a fight anyway. You For could, sure. you could have short hair, but your then they'd say your hats on crooked or whatever and start a fight. But they targeted Alice and. Alice, who never swears and never, never flips the finger or anything, out of the blue he flips some a bird, and I'm like, oh my god! And of course they're getting out of the pickup and everything. And Alice rolls up the window and pushes down the lock and the, de- and I'm like, Alice, it's a red light. Why did you do that? <laughs> you know. And so they're banging on the car, and the light changes, and here we go, and here they come after us oh, with wow. the the guns and the gun rack and everything, you know. Jeez. And so um, no no stopping at the gas station. So I go out and it's on the edge of town. So we go out into the desert and uh, I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to run out of gas and we'll be in the middle of the desert with these guys, you know. So I'm driving out in the desert and I decide, OK, I better turn around, and go back toward town because we're going to run out of gas. Sure. So I got ahead of them, turned around, went back past them. Now they're going out in the desert. Right, and here yeah, we come yeah, back yeah, yeah. by. So they turn around, come back after us. So I think, okay, now I'm really taking a chance. I'm going to just turn around and head back to the desert again, which right. is what we did. Now we're now we stopped, and there's a cloud of dust, and I'm ready to go back into town if they come back again. They didn't come, didn't come. Okay, we go in, we get gas in the car, go in the club. I uh, get in the back room. The guy and the owner's like, "Okay, guy, this is a pretty tough place. You know, there was the car guys, there's the surfers, there's the cowboys, and everybody would get in fights." And the owner said, "All right, keep playing until you see them breaking up the furniture uh-huh. and then get your asses in the back room." Like, "Okay, you don't have to tell us twice." So now we come out on stage, <laughs> And the stage is only like two feet tall, sure, and so we come out, and who's front and center, oh no. the cowboys, and they're <laughs> pounding their fists in their hands, and wow. they've got this girl with them who's got this I call it a Cadillac cleavage, you know she's got this big <laughs> big cleavage going and and so we're there, and these guys are you guys are dead meat, you know, and we're like, oh no, here we go, and so uh it comes time for Glenn Buxton to do a guitar solo and Glenn's smoking a cigarette and the first thing he does, he walks out and he ashes the cigarette down her cleavage. And I'm thinking, oh my God, we're really dead now. But because he did that, all of a sudden, he became an instant hero. The Cowboys yeah, loved that, sure. you know? It was yeah, like, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. who would do like that, this... you know? So anyway, that was all great, and now everything's okay, and I went out in the parking lot after that set, and, sure. and a gang a gang showed up and beat me up in the parking lot. Well, we had a big fight. I don't, I think they got the best of me. There was like five guys against we'll me. We'll say you won, it's fine. Huh?
0: There's no going for the record. You beat five guys up, it's fine. You oh, not prove otherwise.
2: Oh, that's right. Did I say they beat me up? No, yeah, no I meant you, I beat all up. five yeah, of, of them up, yeah.
0: <laughs> like Superman. <laughs> We're about to hit the hour mark. So, Dennis and Cindy, thank you. You've both been absolutely beautiful guests. Oh, thank um, you. I guess any more information about the film that you'd
2: like people to know? I just like come that? and
1: see the film. I think they'll. I think people will love it, and it and take away Fantastic. a really good vibe. You know? It
2: sound the sound is amazing, and it. And that's what you wa- You walk out feeling yeah. like you were really there. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, It yeah. captures the, the uh, event.
0: Perfect. Dennis and Cindy Dunaway. thank you very, very much. Thank and that you. was Thank it. you. Yeah. They were absolutely lovely to chat to. Total legends. Proper weird to be in the same room as the guy who wrote Schools Out. I remember playing that on Guitar Hero when I was like 11, 12 years old. What a hit. I've seen Alice Cooper myself at Bloodstock 2012. They were absolutely amazing. What a live band do check them out if you ever get the chance to when gigs start opening up again if you have seen them let us know what you thought and leave a comment on our social media pages. We're on all the usual outlets at Gig Guide to Life so please follow to support the show, see some behind the scenes and see the upcoming guests. If you can find the time please give us a quick 5 star review on Apple Podcasts to help push us up to the top of the charts as well Next week we're back with a very special guest by the name of Sarah Adams You might not know Sarah by name, but you will know her as the leader of the Manchester Survivors Choir, which formed after the terrorist attack at Manchester Arena three years ago. It was a privilege to speak to Sarah about her work helping the Survivors, how it gave her strength and about her own band, Cantus Semper as well. We've got a lot of amazing guests lined up for the rest of this series, so keep tuned. Thank you to Dennis and Cindy Dunaway for their time, Charles Edmonds for setting this up, Jodie Cunningham for the photography, the Manchester Film Festival team for an excellent festival robin parker for helping edit and ellie stevenson for the artwork i'll be back next week i've been will stevenson bye